0: Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Maradian This podcast version of our interview is brought to you by L3 Technologies. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vagamiradian here at the United States Institute of Peace at the European Union's Annual Common Security and Defense Policy Conference, uh, a leading conference that, uh, that brings EU security leaders to the United States to explain what the European Union is doing by way of security and partnership with the United States. The event is co-sponsored by the Center for Strategic and International Studies and the person who's Spearheaded, that is Heather Connolly of CSIS, head of the Europe program, uh, as well as Arctic and the High North and everything else that falls in your uh, great portfolio. Um, we've been both here since uh, about seven-something this it's morning. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Congratulations okay. on it. Um, Heather, what are the key takeaways, you know, as somebody who's been studying this space is, is uh, you know, you served in the Bush administration uh, and an advocate for both the European Union and, and the NATO alliance. What were some of the key takeaways you heard today?
1: So. If- it was an amazing amount of, of collaboration for both the European Union and the United States, saying, we have to work together. There's no option. We have a lot of challenges to the east and to the south. How can we work together? And, and thinking through very specific ways, from military mobilization across Europe to looking at the hybrid threats to, to the Sahel region. That, it was an amazing issue. And then, and sort of in parallel, you know how difficult the transatlantic relationship is. Um, and, And so it was this weird compartmentalization of how important our security and defense cooperation is, how much we need our allies, in the middle of an environment where we are, the United States is actively seeking to estrange our allies from us. So we really, it was a compartmentalization. So for me that was the takeaway of extraordinary importance of this collaboration placed in an environment where it's working against that unity and that solidarity.
0: Um, Let me ask you that, because you and I spoke on uh, Friday um, at the beginning of the G7 festivities uh, as we saw them emerge over the weekend uh, with with the president um, and some of the rhetoric that he was using, the pointed rhetoric he was using towards some of our allies that went beyond just disagreeing with the communique but was somewhat more fundamental um, that any imposition of sanctions against the United States in in opposition to the steel and aluminum tariffs would be met with further penalties. That was one of the issues. And then uh, the president broached the idea of inviting Russia back into the into the G7, uh, making it again the G8, and then Italy coming 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 to the fore there. Talk to us a little bit about whether or not the deterioration of the trade relationship that relationship has gone up and down in various administrations bush, and bush administration i remember beef and bananas and a whole bunch of other things were perennial sort of challenges but historically the rhetoric hasn't been there the animosity hasn't been there an american president didn't involve himself essentially encouraging right wing movements that want to disintegrate both nato and and the european union talk to us a little bit about whether or not these two relationships can kept, be kept separated given there are so many rubicons that this president has crossed. Right.
1: Well, look, let's start back with saying there have been in the past great transatlantic differences. Uh, even in the 80s, uh, INF Treaty, uh, we had the Iraq War. So we know great tensions with our allies, but there's it feels something very different here. It's not that we're disagreeing on big issues. It is if the U.S. wants to dismantle the system that the United States created at the end of the Second World War, a system that we created to ensure America's security and America's economic prosperity. And that's what's at at stake here, very fundamentally. Our allies, the Europeans, the Canadians, the Japanese, are trying to uphold that system because, yes, they benefit from it, but so does the United States. So it feels different about this. It is systemic. It's taking away a system, but nothing to replace it. Does China? create the new system if we are unwilling to be a participant in that. So the stakes are very high. Our allies are simply confused. They don't understand how the United States, using a national security clause, could be uh, using that clause against allies that ensure America's security. And then fundamentally, I I think President Trump just does not understand that allies amplify American power. They don't reduce it. And we are reducing our own influence and strength when we separate ourselves from our allies. It is not that we don't have differences and we protect our national interests. The Europeans fight for their interests, so do we. But we do that in a spirit of that we're working on the larger project while we're both working very hard to get the best deal for our businesses and for our trade. But you can't lose the value of that ally. They're not ripping us off. But we have to be firm and tough with what we want. But we, by working together with our allies, that is such, a, it enhances our power, doesn't weaken it.
0: Um, do you think um, that, they're, they're packing this up right now. So the hammering you hear is, uh, is, uh, is folks putting the chairs together after what was a lovely lunch I hear uh, down there. We were, we were doing interviews. Yeah, that might be the, that might be the hook uh, to, to get us out of here. Um, I've, I've been talking to a lot of uh, European friends uh, in Brussels and across Europe. I know you've been doing, doing the same. Um, and the hope has been, or at least before the G7 meeting, that there will be a successful NATO summit and how important it is to have that was in Copenhagen uh, last week there was an Atlantic Council trip uh, that was organized by the Atlantic Council and sponsored by the Danish Defense Ministry and the message there from the Danes was look unity is absolutely critical we have to trans transmit that as a as a me- measure of deterrence to the Russians um, do, what do you think the NATO ministerial is going to look like, uh, not ministerial, the NATO summit is going to look like in July in Brussels.
1: So I think this is where the G7 catastrophe, what we're so afraid is going to bleed into the NATO summit. And in fact, the president has directly linked the tariffs with 2% of GDP for defense spending. So if he's linking those two clearly, we are now setting ourselves up for a very difficult summit. And that's the irony because that summit agenda is strong. We have unity. We have purpose. We're creating a southern dimension, an Iraq training mission. European allies are spending more. We gotta keep them, you know, keep them strong on that. We're getting a stronger, more resilient presence against Russian aggression. We it's good. So if the president wants to come in and destroy that, like the G7, Now we have even larger stakes. This is our security. Now it's at stake. So this is my concern. We don't understand what we are destroying. And it took generations and decades to build. You can destroy it very quickly. It's hard to rebuild it. So I'm concerned, but I I think we're getting, hopefully, the president and his closest advisors, and I hope Secretary Mattis, uh, who, who speaks very strongly about the power of allies for strengthening U.S military activities and how we we need them as our center of gravity I hope he's convincing them that don't don't do this to the NATO summit but last year's NATO leaders meeting the president delivered a tough private and public message that nearly you know scrambled that meeting so we're very concerned Hope it doesn't work.
0: And that one included a little bit of manhandling a of the little Montenegrin little, uh, little president. One of
1: our newest NATO members. Exactly. Uh,
0: that's right. That's right. He was he was onboarding uh, at that at that moment in the lovely uh, new building, which which many people say should be the Peter Flory building. Uh, although Peter's not responsible for any of the IT and other uh, bad food service and everything else. Well, Peter. I'm wouldn't...
1: afraid the president may not like that new building, and like he didn't like the the new uh, embassy in London, and uh, so I hope the building is not a point of contention either.
0: Um, it's. Too Two, two questions. Yeah. I mean, question well, well, the one part of it is, you know, you mentioned, and, and Secretary Mattis has talked about it, uh, about the importance of allies. It's codified in the National Security Strategy, which got very high marks. Uh, a collaborative work. It de- definitely HR McMaster and Nadia Shadlow's mm-hmm. uh, DNA that's in there. There's a lot of Jim Mattis in there as well as all the really terrific, thoughtful authors. You know, Bridge Colby I and mean, a whole bunch of people touched that, which was a great document. And then, and then the National Defense Strategy. I should have said right, it's cr- crossover there a little bit on that. Does that we're stronger with allies message matter to anybody at this point if the president himself is the one? I mean, again, back to that discordant, noise, discordant note, if the president himself isn't putting value and priority on this, how, you know, I, NATO allies have told me, it's like, look, this we're, you're really pressing us. And for some, the message and the tying together of the 2% and tariffs, right, security for trade concessions is... Four diplomats told me that's just a deal breaker. If you want to alienate us, that's going to be a pretty permanent way to do that. So talk to us about both of these. You know, how serious is this tying together of these two issues in terms of a bad outcome? And then on the other side of things, you know, how... How is this allies message gonna go over if the boss himself doesn't believe it?
1: Well, it's very serious to tie those two together. Uh The national security strategy and national defense strategy says it is essential for allies and partners to support the United States. Yet, President Trump is doing everything in his power to make it more difficult for us to work collaboratively with our allies. I don't know how we square that circle. Allies, democracies are responsive to their public opinion. Right now, public opinion is very, negative about the President and about the direction of the United States and its foreign policy, whether that's the Iran nuclear agreement, the Paris climate uh, agreement. Uh, Obviously, the tariffs are a huge issue. So how do we square that circle? We have to get to a leadership model where we work closely with allies. We can defend our interests, but we work with our friends and partners. Right now, it feels like we want to work more with our adversaries than with our allies, and that's not gonna get us where we need to go on national security.
0: Um, let me ask you one um, difficult question, which is this um, concern I have, and I've talked to, uh, to friends, you and I have talked about it to a degree as well, that we have always consistently underestimated Vladimir Putin's risk tolerance. We didn't think he would do Ukraine, and he did it right after the Olympics. Uh, there was actually a few friends who were, uh, you know, Sovietologists almost, right. who were saying, He's, up to, he's distracted, like he's working on something. In retrospect, that was easy to see. But then we said, oh, he'd never go to Serbia. It'll be a, a trap. He'll be mired. And he didn't get trapped. He was willing to confront the United States there. Are you concerned that this discordant message, the rifts that are appearing within the alliance, right? Italy and the Italian right is trying to capitalize on this, which is why we heard some of the rhetoric we did in terms of why Russia was a, was a, a good idea. Do you think, for example, after the World Cup, He'll try and and after the NATO summit, Putin will try to take advantage with something that falls under conflict but is confounding to us, whether it's in uh, Republika Srpskaya or with Macedonia or something in Montenegro. You know, is there a danger of that, that we are, by our rhetoric, enabling perhaps another intervention where the U.S. president may just say, hey, you know what, we're not going to get involved in this?
1: So I I think right now uh, we're doing this so much to ourselves that uh, President Putin doesn't have to intervene too dramatically in order for us to uh, be very disunified and to pull ourselves apart, to be honest with you. But yes, there are areas that uh, Russian influence, malign influence can can play a role. Certainly I think the Western Balkans, even General Scaparrotti mentioned that in congressional testimony when asked, where are you concerned? I'm concerned about the Western Balkans. We have upcoming elections. fall in Sweden, Uh, a close country that wants to be as close as possible to NATO without NATO membership. We have Latvian elections. Uh, We continue to see very weak coalition governments in Europe uh, struggle, whether it's migration, the economic dimension of it, illiberalism. Uh, It doesn't take very much right now to remove EU sanctions against Russia or have a group of uh, EU and NATO countries really now speaking for Mr. Putin very clearly. So he doesn't have to do much, there's a lot there, we have to keep our eye on Turkey and Turkish-Russian rapprochement as as a way if Turkey is pulled out of the NATO orbit, do his own self uh, mm-hmm. activities or by Russian encouragement, that would be uh, obviously very harmful to NATO. So there's a lot that could happen. Uh, right now, I honestly believe they don't have to do much. We're doing this all to ourselves.
0: But, but that vacuum worsens the probability that of something that
1: Of course, and the more we pull apart from our allies, that is uh, an exploitation waiting because that is our weakness. Unity is our strength as we are pulled apart. It's our weakness.
0: Heather Connolly of the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Heather, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. At the end of a long day and your patience with this, very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much.